Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, helping you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. It's all right here for you with this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. Remember to visit us online, too, at besteveryou.com. And now here's your host, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You show. We are, um, well, gosh, I don't know. We've got a lot of snow here in Maine, and we're doing a baseball show. So I'm really happy that um, Coach Aaron Isaac is here with us today. He's the head coach of Bridgeton Academy and the general manager of the Sanford Mainers, which is an NECBL, and he will explain what that is if you're listening and you want to know what that is. That is a New England College Baseball League. Sanford Mainers, and um, he's been doing that for a while, the manager and general manager and all that good stuff, so we're going to learn about that, and Bridgeton Academy Baseball, uh, they're amazing in every way, and he's got so many gifts and talents to share with us, and I love it when we have guests from Maine here with us, because we host this show from Falmouth, Maine, and we've done this for, uh, I've done this for, gosh, knows probably going on eight or nine years now, and Best Ever You is about 10 years old, and I, I love um the way you guys really embrace our guests. We're very grassroots. There's no advertising, no fake likes, clicks, or any of that stuff going on. It's just us. And so it's a community that we can trust and love. And um, we really embrace our guests. And every guest I bring on here really means something um, to me in in various different ways. And um, I find that they are very meaningful to you as well. And they touch your life um, in, in a way that maybe, you know, you think they're coming on about baseball and they talk about something else about their life or, or however it is. So it's always good. And um, so I'm very happy that I have Coach Aaron Isaac with us. How are you today? Are you snowed in? We are snowed in up here in Bridgeton. We got uh, about a foot of snow and it's still coming down. So good day for a radio show. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, everybody listening. And I hope your power stays with us. Um, so, you know, I, I, gosh, you know, I want to have a little fun here and just talk about just baseball. I love baseball. We're a baseball family and um, my dad loves baseball. So I grew up with baseball. And um, t- t- how did you get started in baseball? What's your what's your baseball well, story? It's a good thing we have an hour. This could be a long one, but uh, you know, starting in, <laughs> I grew up in Toronto, and um, I was one of the I was a, I was a baseball hockey guy, split in a year, and uh, you know, this is I don't know, 15 years ago now, but coming through playing for one of the few uh, travel teams up there, Ontario Blue Jays and Team Ontario, and moving through, and then kind of recruited myself to the University of Maine. You know, this was when we sent out VHS tapes and uh, and hard copy letters and that sort of thing. I remember writing the letters and mailing them out and spending all my parents' money on postage. But, uh, you know, I, I just happened to have a, a coach who, you know, knew the assistant at Maine. It's one of those things that, you know, just happened to run into him and say, hey, you know, I got a kid here in Toronto. We think he can play. And, you know, kind of went on my visit in February. I wasn't an early sign. I wasn't, um, you know, that important, if you will. You know, I went in there hoping just for an opportunity, and I went to the, the visit, loved the place, and decided to pursue it. And, um, you know, so I, I went to Maine. Ended up playing for four years, um, which was an interesting one because I went in as the third or fourth catcher um, behind actually my brother-in-law at this point. But, um, you know, it's one of those (laughs) things that you go in and you just compete and you try and, you know, you don't know what's going to be on the other side, but you just show up every day. And, you know, 
inevitably it happened by injury. Our starting catcher got injured on my freshman spring trip and uh, started playing then. And, you know, when he came back, he took over behind the plate, but I was hitting pretty well. And so it goes. He moved three or four years and, you know, two regionals later and, you know, a handful of accolades. And then, you know, I stayed on at Maine and did my grad school. I met my wife up at Maine. Um, you know, we stayed on, did grad school together. And then uh, in 2000, summer of 2010, I, I, I came to Bridgeton and been here ever since, eight years ago. And now we got two boys, Parker and Nash, and here I am. Cute. Did I noticed something in hearing you talk. Um, you didn't put all your baseballs in the baseball basket. Um, you you have an education. Can you talk about the importance to, you know, we have a, a varied audience. Um, I would love to hear you talk about the importance of education behind a sport. Yeah, I think there's there's two parts to it. I think, um, you know, having a degree is, is the first one because, you know, everybody wants to play their sport forever. And at some point you have to stop. Um, some people get to play it longer than others. I wanted to play. I still want to be playing. Um, but at some point you don't get that option and you need something to, you know, not necessarily fall back on, but but go with and, and, and move your career along in, in another you know, arena. Um, but also the, the higher education, you know, I, I'd encourage anybody thinking about doing their master's um, just to continue on after you've done your undergrad. The last thing I really wanted to do after four and a half years um, at Maine was to enroll in more classes and spend more money. Um, but it, I mean, having that after, you know, I did, I did a 33 credit uh, master's program up there and I was coaching and I was on campus and it all made sense. You know, it wasn't, easy but you know now that I have a master's I'm not sure that looking back if I had put it off if I'd have it and so you know two things if you know if you're coming up through and want to play forever you know at some point it's not going to happen and you want to have you know you don't want to have anything to clean up at the end of it and go back and have to do classes that sort of thing because once you get in the world of you know working and making a little bit of money you don't really want to go sit in the classroom and I think it's important to, to have a college degree these days no, no doubt but also the master's degree is becoming more and more important. I like I love hearing that. I, I wish I somebody had given me that advice so long ago. I I, I struggled to barely even go to college. Um, you just it you know it wasn't what was it you know no one said yeah you need to go to college. So I put myself through school working full time and going to college full time, and that was very difficult. And I remember at the end of it, um, just being happy with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, sure, Whereas, sure. <laughs> I, wish, yep. I wish somebody would have said, boy, you know, you just did that, but keep going a little bit. Cause I sit older, almost 50 going, you know, that'd be cool to have. And I keep looking around for things. So that's, that's wise advice. I, I love hearing that. Um, for anybody, well, I make, it sound, I, I make it sound a little idealistic, but at the same time, I'm looking at it. I was done my undergrad and I was from Toronto. So I was on a student visa and, you know, unless I was going to, find another work visa or something, the easiest way to stay and pursue my career in coaching um, down south of the border was to stay on a student visa. So, you know, I'll tell you, it made a lot easier when I said, okay, if I just take more classes, I can stay and I can continue to coach at Maine and I can continue to take classes and continue to move along for, you know, that, that, that was another two and a half years in, in a master's yeah. program that I was able to stay on my student visa and work on campus and, and you know, just get by. Yeah. I, it was funny. I, as you're talking about that, I'm like a student visa, or in my case, it was student loans. I wish somebody had said, stay in, stay in school and your <laughs> loans won't come due. <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> Keep going. All right. Uh, I was pretty tired at that point though, but it's all right. Um, so, and the, and you're right. The money came into play and the last thing you wanted to do was be sitting in class when you were making money. So yeah, I get it completely. All right. So let's talk about Bridgeton Academy. Um, 
tell, tell us what Bridgeton Academy even is for somebody listening who might not know. Yeah, Bridgeton Bridgeton's a place that it's a, it's a special place, and there's, you know, six or 7,000 living alums out there that if you walk through with a Bridgeton Academy hat or jacket, you'll run into one of them for sure. And, you know, this <laughs> is a place that I until I interviewed here, I'd never been on campus. Um, you know, I was coming here to earn some coaching experience, get involved. I wanted to work in education, and, um, you know, I had to learn about it in part of the interview process. And so it's one of those things that, you know, we hate it, but we're, you know, we're kind of told you guys are the best kept secret and, and we don't want to be the best kept secret anymore. You know, we're one that we think that, uh, you know, with our specialized program, um, you know, the mission of the school is to provide a program for young men in a unique one year postgraduate environment to prepare for the rigors of college and beyond, which is, you know, basically after, after you're done your high school years, um, you know, for people who are young men who come here, um, if, if there's 180 different students on campus, 180 different reasons uh, that they enroll at Bridgeton. Some of them are just young calendar-wise, and, and they need to kind of regain a year to catch up with their class. Others um, have really targeted one school that they really want to get into, and they missed on it out of high school, and they need to re-enroll in a postgraduate year, improve their academic profile or their test scores or both, and then reapply. Um, others didn't get the option out of high school. Maybe they didn't apply anywhere. Maybe they applied to the wrong schools and didn't get an acceptance letter. Others, basically, they could have gone 8 for 8 or 10 for 10, and they want to open up the next level of school. So um, Bridgeton is, is, is a highly athletic place, but at the same time, it, you know, the, the rewards of, of in, in investing in a postgraduate year for these guys, um, athletic is, is a small piece of it. And, uh, you know, coming from the athletic director, I believe that our coaches do a tremendous job, you know, creating opportunity for our guys and uh, opening doors at the NCAA level for guys who do want to play college sports, college baseball, college hockey, college basketball, um, and so on. But, you know, the more you talk to alums, the more they report back that, you know, that sport that they played was the best part of their day, but it's not the best of what they got. You know, they, they learned how to live in a dorm, live away from home, communicate, be part of a community. You know, really, we have study halls, and they learn how to study the right way where they never really, you know, they'll admit that I didn't do a lot of studying in high school for some of them. Or if I was a tremendous student, I need to understand how to take the anxiety of being that level of student down so I can effectively do it every day. At the end of your year, do you have to leave, or is it, can you go for two, can you go to Bridgeton Academy for two years, or is it just one we, year? We and- do. So, so we're we're specific to postgrads, and the one-year program is kind of what we do. We do offer senior year for students who maybe have run their course at their high school, um, kind of topped out in terms of the academics that they've run through. They've run through the top-level math or top-level top English in three years. Um, so I do have a couple students here this year uh, on my team alone that are their seniors going to stay for a PG year. I've also had you know a, a graduate from last year. He came for two PG years. He came here out of high school, um, played baseball, uh, ended up getting hurt over in around January, February, this time of year last year. And, uh, you know, he wasn't going to be able to play baseball. And he said, oh, geez, I don't really have a great fit anyway. Let me, you know, let me look at coming back. So he was, he, he was a double postgrad. And, um, you know, he's doing great things up there at St. Michael's College in Vermont now. And, uh, you know, like okay. I said, everybody's got their own, way, their own way to do it, their own way to get here. And, you know, this place can serve a lot of people. Talk about baseball a little bit. Um, so we have Bridgeton Academy, and um, you know you're the head baseball coach of Bridgeton Academy baseball since 2010, yep. right? And yep. um, so tell tell me what Bridgeton Academy baseball is all about. We, uh, you know, it was it was a, an opportunity for me here. Uh, we offer full year baseball, which separates us from a lot of the other preps. And uh, you know, when I got here, I had to wrap my head around what that meant and how we can 
best leverage that to, to not only make this place attractive to the guys who want to pursue a postgraduate degree, but also make it beneficial. And, you know, I sat down and sat down with a couple of my assistants and we talked about it and, you know, built a you know a pyramid of sorts um, to explain to kids what exactly you're going to do here and, you know, how, how does it all work for, for every student? Um, most guys who come here want to play college baseball. You know, most of them love baseball. Most of them, that's the best part of their day is going to practice or going to games and being able to improve their craft, if you will. Um, but, I, you know, I like to let them know that I don't focus on that as much. That's, that's the fun part of the day. But their development and their, you know, kind of self-reflection and self-discovery is, is huge in their year. And, you know, some of them haven't, some have had a tremendous high school career and high school experience. Some of them have not. Um, you know, Brits and baseball, you know, four, four levels to the pyramid. The very first one, I have to get them used to doing more than what's expected. And at the very beginning of the year, we talk about it. I show them the pyramid. I talk, that's how we build our rules for the team. Um, but just going out of your way to open a door or say thank you or doing things that people aren't going to really ask you to do. But if you get in the habit of doing it, it comes easier and easier. And once you get in that habit of, of doing more than what's expected and kind of being the outlier and, you know, not, not for recognition, but simply because you should do it, then the next level of the pyramid is, is being accountable for all outcomes and not just not necessarily the good ones. A lot of guys I talk to will come in and say, hey, I was a really good player because I worked really hard but we didn't win that game because of the weather or the umpire or this or that. And, you know, the accountability part of it. And, and, you know, if you are working and doing more, you're going to recognize the holes in what you could have done to make things different. And that's the accountability part for both outcomes. You know, you should be proud when you do well, but you should look at it when you don't do well or do what you want to do and, and break it down and say, geez, what, what could I have done? And that, you know, could I have done part of it is, is, is the third part of the pyramid, which is value the process. And the process isn't just game day. You know, I remind guys on Tuesday and we play Saturday, don't just look at Saturday and just wait. You know, you got to work while you wait. If, if that means that you're, you know, a bench guy trying to get a starting job, you're waiting for your opportunity. So you got to work while you wait. If you're a starter and you're only valuing game day, you got to work and practice to get to game day. And that process is just a bunch of todays on a row, today plus today plus today. And eventually you get to today, which is the game day. That's the fun part. I leave them alone on game day. I want them to go and enjoy it. But practice days are mine. And then eventually you can look at it, and, and the goal for every one of our guys is to do it better than they've ever done it before. And, you know, once guys get to that spot and they feel like they can value the process and, and they're accountable for their outcomes and they're, they're in the habit of doing more, things get easier and we kind of start over again. So you started a new baseline, you're doing it better than you've done it before, and then you're looking at what can I do more now to start this whole thing over again. Hmm. I love that. And um, you – did you learn? Is that like a Bridgeton Academy thing, or is that a, is, is that your <sighs> development, or is that me? Where does that come from? Because I want to. I, I, I would I would love to take you. full accountability for all of it. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, um, the, you know, it, every coach needs a coach. Every coach that sure. that goes through learns and takes pieces from everybody else, and so that's a long time. Um, of being an assistant and watching and learning and seeing things that go really, really well and seeing styles that would work for me and seeing styles that wouldn't work for me. And, you know, this thing has changed over the course of eight years as well. But, you know, I got a great, you know, my, my seventh year assistant, Tim Atwood, we talk a lot about this exact piece of paper. Um, and every, every player gets a, a copy of it on day one. Um, but also we, we feed off that. So that's, that's one discussion. But, you know, I don't give them a list of rules. Um, we do right. something a little different. At Bridgeton, we, you know, we use we use covenants, and we say, "Hey, here's the four things that you're you know you're going to do, and here's your pyramid. But what does it look like in school? What does it look like in the community? What does it look like in practice? And what does it look like in games? So, doing what does it look like to do more than what's expected in school? 
Um, you know, we talk about sitting in the learning tee and sitting in the front of the front of the class or up the middle of the class, simply because studies shows if you, if you sit there, you'll do better because you'll be more aware. You'll have a better look at the board and look at the teacher, and, and you'll be more engaged. Um, small things like that, but you know, being accountable for all outcomes in our, in our campus community and the greater community. What does that look like? And we have these discussions. There's 16. The matrix is 16 uh, squares, and the guys fill them in during the first week of school, and uh, that's what I hold them to. Um, you know, they talk about knowing your grades and, and challenging each other and controlling what you can control and, you know, these sort of things. And if they're not controlling what they can control, it's a great time for me to call them on it. And that's where the whole thing meshes together is that they're creating their experience here. With, with my guidance, we put some things on there every year for them because we think they're important and they may not get there. But, you know, doing it better than it's ever done before in, the, in this school is just simply getting a better GPA than you've ever done or being more organized or sitting down and doing work when you're supposed to. And so, you know, I, I've had the benefit of being around a lot, a lot, of, a lot of great coaches. I played for one. Um, Coach Costia is now at the Naval Academy. He shaped me as a player and, and shaped me. You know, the accountability part comes a lot from Coach. Um, you know, I've been around Brian Kane, who's a sports psychologist and, and mental game coach. And, a lot. you know, this covenant part, he worked with at, at Coastal Carolina, and he gave it to me. And, you know, you take everything, you apply it to where you're at, and you just keep drawing off people who are out there that, you know, you're lucky to be around. You know, I was – the Bridgeton Academy part of it, I'll, you know, I'll say it is, you know, John Lounsbury was class of – I believe he's class of 01 here. He was the hockey coach here when I came on, and we just have to be around the same age. And he was the one on my interview sitting and chatting with me and telling me how great this place is. And, you know, I learned a lot about how to educate kids at Bridgeton Academy and a postgraduate student from him. And, you know, a lot of things he did work. He ran a tremendously successful uh, hockey program here and moved on. Now he's running a tremendously successful – you know, junior program in the Walpole Express. So um, I'm, re- I'm really lucky, really lucky to be around people um, who have the same mission as I do, which is just helping kids out and get, get them where they want to be, um, but also teaching them how to be great adults. I hope everybody listening just heard that because there's a whole element to it that also is included in that um, you're completely coachable. Like, you were, it sounds like you are a person to me anyway, um, from a best ever use standpoint that, uh, is very open to learning and listening to other people and becoming the best you, you can be your, you know, yourself. Um, can you talk about how important it is to be open to learning and to being coachable? Yeah. I mean, um, I can almost hear my wife laughing at you saying that. Um, as you, as you're saying <laughs> yeah. that at home, going, he's not very coachable in terms of doing stuff around the house. But um, yeah. <laughs> in terms of you know, in, in your in your career, you, you have to listen. And I remind you know my players, they're going to get more communication from me because I learn from them. They're giving me feedback on how things are going. You can't throw off the hierarchy. But when they you know when you got three guys complaining about the same thing, it's probably a me problem. Um, if you know if there's one student who is frustrated with how things are going, it may not be a me problem. I'm not sure. Um, but if this, if two or three guys who are 18 years old um, and, and pretty mature kids are coming up and complaining about something or making comments about this or that, I got to look at it and say, geez, you know, why is that going on? And, um, you know, my job here is to provide an opportunity and provide an experience that's going to change these guys' lives. And not just in terms of who they are, but where they're going to go do great things. Um, and that's a lot of discussion with you know, I have a great assistant AD here, uh, Lee Jakevich. He's he's a guy I sit and I go, hey, you know, I've been friends with Lee for a long time. I say, hey, tell me about this. Am I wrong or wh- what do you think here? Um, you know, Tim Atwood, mm-hmm. again, how, how do you think that went? And, 
you know, if they say it went great, you know, they know that I don't want to get um, yes, man. You know, hey, it went great, coach. Don't worry about it. I want to hear, nah, well, I've seen you do better. You know, I, you know that, that's not exactly <laughs> how I envisioned you doing it. Um, but that's some of the best feedback. You know, some of the best feedback is, is, is constructive. And it's, 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 it's ones that you got to maximize the teaching moment where, you know, if it doesn't go well, you got to figure out why it didn't go well so you can avoid it in the future. How do you, how do you go about setting goals? Aside from the, the four the pyramid, you maybe even you personally, um, teach us about, um, I'm super into goals. Sorry if I'm throwing you with this question. <laughs> Quite <laughs> all right. Kind of out of the blue, but I love goals. And um, I've had some really cool um, coaches on like Edwin Thompson and Nick Durba and everybody, and they've all shared like how they set goals. And I've loved it. And it's really helped me in my life. And I'm one of those people who loves to learn from other people. And I think our audience does too. So do you mind giving us some insight (laughs) into how you set goals? Well, I I hope, you know, we're all competitive. I hope I can keep up with Edwin and Nick. Those are two good friends of mine. And, uh, you know, obviously they run two great programs and, you know, those two guys are, are two guys I've learned from. And, um, you know, I'd say goal setting has to be fluid. Um, you know, my goals today, um, professionally, personally, um, on the field, off the field, they, they, they're going to be different five years from now. And so, you know, they're not set in stone. Um, you know, g- give me the one-year plan. Give me your five-year plan. Look at your 10-year plan. But you're not really – your 10-year plan is going to be so different once you get there. Um, you know, I'll use the example. When I was playing, I want to play for as long as I could. And, um, you know, my goal was to play professional baseball and I went through my four years and, you know, I had, you know, I played at a high level and I had some interest, but at the same time I, I looked at it at some point and I could have played independent ball. Um, my teammates, someone went on to play professional baseball and affiliated baseball, but I looked and said, geez, you know, I'm a five, nine, you know, 195 pound catcher when every catcher in the big league roster is going to be six, two, six, three and hit for power. And I didn't do that. Um, so my chances of making it were going to be you know, I'd have to do something else really, really special. And I didn't run special. My arm was okay. Um, you know, I didn't set myself <laughs> apart in any, in any great way. I was a great college player, and that's what I was. And that took a long time of sitting at home after I graduated my senior year, going to a couple tryouts and going, okay. You know, in two or three my, – my, my goal has always been to play professional baseball. But in two or three years, am I going to be sitting here looking out and saying, wow, you know, I played some professional baseball, but now I want to coach and I want to get my master's. And, you know, I traded the opportunity to play some independent baseball. I really pursued that part of my, my dream um, to pursue coaching. And now my coaching career, you know, I, I was, I was going to go to Omaha after three years of being a college coach. That's just what I was going to do. And, and you learn a lot as you go. Um, you know, I, I was, I always fancy myself a division one coach and I'm now I'm at a, a postgraduate only prep school in, in, you know, Western Maine and I love it. And, you know, it, it's one of those things that if you, Stick to your goals. You know, there's going to be certain things that you do not want to stray away from, but you have to decide that on your own. Um, and there's going to be other ones that you need to trust the fact that maybe your goals weren't grounded, maybe your goals weren't educated, um, or maybe they're just not meant to be. And you have to be able to adjust with those and, and stay, you know, pursuing on another path. And, uh, you know, now, you know, I'm trying to be not only the best, you know, prep baseball coach out there, I'm trying to be, you know, the best AD out there and, and support my people. But now, now you know, talk about 10 years ago, you know, I'm trying to be the best husband and father and you name it friend out there. And, uh, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to get there. That's awesome. Um, thank you for that. Um, are we allowed to talk about individual players? I didn't ask you that before we got on the air. Um, can, can we do that or not? 
Sure, I don't mind. Okay, I, I don't think okay, any, cool. I don't think they'll mind. I'll say all good things about them. <laughs> yeah, they're all they're I I so um, there's a player that I love who plays for you, um, and his name is um, Trevor, and yeah. I I just think the world of that guy. <laughs> I think he's a, a great player in so many different ways. And if you want to talk about him, great. If you don't, that's fine too. But I was just wondering if you could give us some examples of people who've played for you, where they're going. Um, even if it's not college baseball, you know, like you were saying, because people are all different and, you know, you think you might have one goal in high school and it turns out something totally different, even better. Um, But could you fix what I just said? (laughs) No, absolutely. I think, (laughs) you know, I I run into, you know, the the, the guys who enroll here and specifically come to play baseball here, they're a special group to me because they're coming here for an experience that involves me every day. And so, you know, I have a, I have a duty, I have a responsibility to them to make it the best I can within my control, which means, you know, I got to show up, I got to prepare, I got to do the best I can for them, not for me. And then at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the payback for me is when I see them go off and do great things. And, you know, you, you talk about Trevor, Trevor came here. Um, I actually watched Trevor play high school basketball. Um, that's how I, I had not, I had I hadn't got a chance to talk to uh, his father, um, and we I went and sat in a, in a high school gym uh, 20 minutes up the road in Freiburg, and that's how we you know kind of chatted about Bridgeton. And uh, you know Trevor came here, and and you know as much as you know Bridgeton can do great things for kids, it's what's the, what they do when they're here. And and Trevor, you know, high character kid, high horsepower, you know, has some athletic ability. He's going to go off and play at Maryland. And that's not something he had out of high school. And, that, and that's the name of the game here is we're trying to provide opportunities, create opportunity that he, they didn't have out of high school. And if they, if they don't get that, that's okay too. But that's what everybody kind of wants. They want a little bit more. And that's why they're coming for a postgraduate year at Bridgeton. They want to look for more. And, you know, you, I, I, Brendan Skidmore is another one, class of 13. Um, you know, he What's was committed to a – Brendan Skidmore. Brent. He's from Franklin, okay. Mass. Um, yeah. Committed um, – it's for a Division two school uh, out of high school, going through his senior year, going, yeah, I think it's okay. He visited here. You know, his dad brought him up. And, you know, he just, ah, I think it's good, but I think I can play. And I think I can play Division one. And, he, you know, he wasn't stuck on Division one, but he didn't want to cross it off until, you know, right. it, was, it was necessary. So he decided to enroll in a postgraduate year. I, I think Brendan would tell you that he wasn't sure about it, but he was, he was buying in the idea that it might work. Um, he goes out in his senior spring, is the Hawk Mock MVP, and just his trajectory takes off from there where he comes here. Um, he has great grades, so I, I can't change high school grades at Bridgeton. You know, we can improve them with, with what the classes they take here. We can improve SAT scores, but the guys who I'm talking about have, have done their job in high school in the classroom, and right. that gives me the opportunity to help them even greater. Um, Brendan came here, and, and you know, Binghamton University is, a, you know, Ryan Herb is a good friend of mine. I introduced him. They, they were looking for an infielder, and Brendan, they came and checked out Brendan, and, and this, here's the ironic part. Brendan, De, Brendan would tell you he didn't play tremendously well that day. They saw a doubleheader. Um, made a couple of errors, but college coaches, especially in baseball, you know, some of, when I went out recruiting, you know, I saw some kids strike out three times, and I went and talked to them after and said, man, you, I think you can do it. And it kind of throws them off, but we're not always looking at, um, you know, what the result is. Anybody can look at the box score and say, wow, that kid went four for four is pretty good. But the tools with which he did, you know, the four for four or on my end, you know, Brendan didn't have a great day, but his tools, the way he swung, the way he threw, you know, those sort of things played, and Binghamton said, you know what, I think, I think, I think you'd be our guy. And he went to Binghamton. Um, Brendan, so Brendan was supposed to go to, to, to play another school. He enrolls at Binghamton. He comes and plays for Stanford in his sophomore summer. Um, then he goes, in his junior summer, he goes down to the Cape and wins a Cape Cod League championship. 
And so that summer, that summer, and I always remind him of it, is that that junior summer, if he went to that first school, he wouldn't have had that summer because you need to be eligible for another year. So he would have been done college at that point, would never have gone to the Cape Cod League, would never have won a championship. And he went back his senior year, had a great senior senior year, was an all-conference player. And, you know, that's that's the name of the game is, is going off and, yeah. and doing something that you're, you maybe didn't even know you were capable of. Love it. You know, as you were talking about, um, you know, walking up to people after they might have struck out or something, you know, one of my most fascinating things to always watch is how people uh, respond, maybe even react when it's not a great situation. Like if you did strike out, are you throwing your bat and your glove and your hat and your your helmet and your, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Are you swearing? All that stuff. Um, so I, I really like to see the character involved. Can you talk a little bit about character and intangibles and things like that that are involved with any sport, any any life situation, really? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I did it when I was at Maine when I was off watch, you know, watching those players. I do it when I go watch players at Fur Bridgeton. Is I always sit in a spot. I don't sit behind the plate a lot. I always sit in a spot where I can see in the dugout. Um, you know, so if they're in the third base dugout, I'll, I'll sit down the, the first base line or in the first base stands. I want to see what's going on um, when he thinks nobody's looking. And, you know, so anybody can be happy if they hit home run. Anybody can be happy when they go for four for four or, you know, have a great outing on the mound. Um, that's, you know, you're not going to see a whole lot. I love seeing kids not do as well as they wanted when somebody's watching. When I'm watching, when another school's watching, um, I want to see how they handle it. Because especially in baseball, I mean, everybody, everybody's heard it. You know, if you, if you get a hit three out of ten times, you're a Hall of Famer. So you're going to fail a lot. And if you can't fail well, you know, you're going you're gonna to have some trouble in, in our sport. And that, that, that crosses over in other sports. Now, just baseball specific, there's so much downtime and so much sure. thinking to do um, that if you're carrying your bat out into the field or trying to hit with your glove on because you made an error, you're going to have a lot of trouble. And, and that's something that I may not be able to fix. That's something I need to evaluate and watch. But that at the same time, i got to look at that young man and say, that could be a kid who, for one year at Bridgeton, um, we could help that. We can talk him through that and give him a little bit more control about, you know, when adversity hits, what can you do about it? Um, how can you, you know, a, a good example, um, I had to learn here at Bridgeton. I live right on campus. So I can see my old office from my house. And uh, I used to live in the dorm. And, you know, I, I got really uncomfortable with, you know, leaving my house and four minutes later being at work. So I joked about it, but I would take a commute. I'd take a commute. To, I'd get off campus to Dunkin' Donuts, come back, and that would be my 10 minutes to <laughs> either wind up or wind down. Um, but, you know, then you, play, then you play your games right on campus. And I can't, you know, at this point, I couldn't lose a game up top of the hill and walk down to the dorm and hold on to it and try to be a father or a husband. I, you know, I always tell kids, if you're not ready to let go, one way to do it is leave your jersey on. Leave your uniform on. And there's times in the summer especially, you know, um, the, the NECBL is tremendously um, – competitive um not only for the players but the coaches have a lot of passion it's it's two months you put 12 you know 10 months into two month season and so you want it to go well and when it doesn't you get wrapped up in it and that's the best part of it is you do care about it but you ride a bus and there's times that i didn't take my my uniform off until we got to the next rest stop i needed two hours to think about it but once you take off your jersey there goes that bad send from third you know once you take off your shoes there goes that bad pitching change i made and I'm thinking through myself, okay, now I'm putting on my street clothes. I'm no longer a coach. I'm just Aaron Isaac, and i got to go home, and i got to do all the things that Aaron Isaac does when he's not in uniform. And that's something that boarding school you got to do. When you're a coach, you got to do it because you've got a home life you got to take care of. And um, 
that that sort of transition is important, and that same stuff can happen within a game. Um, you know, if you strike mm-hmm. out and you're the last out of the inning, it's going to be tough to flip it over when you can go play shortstop and play it well if you're not ready for it. But you got to have some sort of release, some sort of routine, you know, in your game that you know you can let go of, you know, some adversity or something you you, you can't control um, before you quite got to move on to the next part of your game. Hmm. Uh, I. Um... If, if somebody in high school is listening, because we do get a lot of high schoolers that listen to these types of shows, where would you, are you, are you open to, um, well, you probably can't. Can you receive phone calls from high schoolers with, that want advice oh, yeah. like that or help? Okay, I didn't know. Um, I was just, what I was asking was, where's a really good resource for um, how to handle things like that so you can become a better player, almost like in a, in a self-help mode or a book you can read, or can they, because it, it's not always, um, something that's just within them already that it might be something mm-hmm. that has to be coached or taught or whatever. And sometimes it's not. So like if you, if somebody's listening and they want to be, um, you know, if they can identify that maybe they have some of those situations going on and want to kind of coach it out of themselves, <laughs> is there something they can do? Yep. Um, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you got to pay attention. Um, you know, anytime that you can, you know, again, Anytime you can pay attention to what's going on on television or, you know, if you're fortunate to have a coach who's, you know, decently versed, has been around a little while and, and has an idea about the mental game. Um, that's one thing that wasn't really taught, you know, when I played, you know, now 12 years ago. Um, you know, that we, we didn't really talk about it. You know, hey, you, you have a good day, like figure it out tomorrow, like come back and be ready to go. And, and that's a hard thing to do when you don't get any kind of steps of how to handle that. Um, right. But as you move through, you know, every every division one you know, college has some sort of sports psychologist on campus. Um, but for the high schoolers, I think you just got to find, you know, people who care about you, hold you accountable. And that could be mom and dad. That could be a coach. That could be a friend. And, and just, you know, you got to reach out and say, Hey, you know, to whoever you select. Um, and, you know, at Bridgeton, you get it all over the place. You've got advisors here, you've got dorm parents, you've got coaches, you've got teachers, you've got people around all the time. Um, but you got to reach out and say, Hey, put yourself out there and say, Hey, I'm struggling with this. You know, what do you see? Am I completely off or am I spot on? Like, what, what, what do you think? And that's a hard thing to do sometimes is, one, admit you're struggling, which is a hard thing to do, but also listen to some of the feedback you may not even want, but you're asking for. And so you have, you have to get to yourself to that point where you're going to be receptive to it. And, uh, you know, you got to have, you know, it's, it's your little, kind of your little board of directors, if you will. You know, you got to have your people you go to with different problems. Um, you know, my <sighs> president of the board is, is, is my wife. I mean, she's, She's great. She she will tell me What's when I'm name? being Jamie. Um, Jamie. And, it's, and, and so <laughs> I, I met I met Jamie um, the fall of 2002, and you know she is the one that holds me accountable and in a, in a great way, um, you know, all the time. And then she works here. She's our director of college counseling, so we work together, we live together, we parent together. Um, and if oh. I didn't trust her and her opinion, I, I'd be in a whole lot of trouble. And uh, you know, there's other people, but that's my that's my spot where, you know, if I need some feedback, I may not have to ask for it. I'll get it. <laughs> yeah, we're like that, aren't we? <laughs> <That's really funny>. <laughs> <laughs> I've been married for 20 years. I totally get it. Um, that's so funny. But, but you at know, the same you, time, uh, you, you, the feedback you yeah. get, you have to know it's coming from a place of respect. And you have to, you know, you have to yeah. understand that people don't speak up and tell you something if they don't care. And that's a hard thing to get that's to. You, you immediately want to clap back and say something to defend yourself. And I'm not great at that all the time. I'll admit that. But... You know, once you sit down and think about it and, and slow down, you got to hash out what exactly they were trying to help you with. And if you're not receptive to that sort of thing, you, you know, you're going to stand in your own way more often than not. 
Yeah, you know, one of the things that I did when I was first starting Best Ever You, and this kind of uh, plays off something you were talking about with your own board of directors, um, I quit a, a pretty long, lengthy career in the financial services industry to start Best Ever You. And I really had no idea what I was doing and um, all that good stuff. And I did, I surrounded myself with about four or five people that would do exactly what you're talking about. Sort of like give you feedback. Are you doing this right? Or, you know, how do you see it? What's something else we could be doing? Who's a, you know, who's a person that you know who could help us go to the next level we're trying to reach? You know, all those different things. Um, but you're so spot on that you have to be open to hearing that because it can be quite constructive and it can be, hurt your feelings. Um, you might think you're doing great at something and somebody will be like, you know, that's not so good. Here's a different way to do this maybe. Um, but I think people um, who will give you that feedback are generally well-intentioned. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, and absolutely. I, I agree. And, and that's something that, you know, I, I've had to, you know, Sometimes you expect everything bad to come from a coach. Sometimes you expect everything good to come from your friends. Um, but when the, the script gets flipped and, and some of the best coaches you have say some great things about you, that can go, wow, you know, that, I didn't expect that. But then some of your best friends say something to you that's constructive. You go, whoa, you're supposed to be my <laughs> guy, and you're saying that. Um, and I think that's one – it's part of maturity, but also it's part of self-confidence. And that's something that you've got to be confident enough to ask for help and understand that it may not be what you expect or what you really want, but it's going to help you. And, um, you know, that's something that we talk a lot here about Bridgeton every day is, is you know, the advocacy piece is one thing. And you've got to get to the point where you're going to advocate say, you know, I need some help. And it's not just when I get my grade back and it's, a, it's lower than I wanted. Um, don't wait for your next test to understand how you're doing. I say it all the time to my guys. You know, don't wait till your grade comes back less than you want it to understand where you're at in, where you're at in the class. Um, but at the same time, you know, you get a problem with your roommate, you can do a couple of things. You can sit there and stew. You can never spend any time in the room and just try to sleep there. Or you can bring it up and go, hey, i got an issue with this. And it could simply be the way they set their shoes, how late how they stay up, or how loud they are. It could be any of the above. But if you don't speak up, it's not going to get any better. And that's something that, you know, it's easier just to sometimes stay quiet and just, and just say, I'll deal with it. You know, I, I can deal with this. I'm, I'm going to let it, I'm gonna let, it, let it linger for a while and hopefully it all goes away. Um, but there's a line where if it's not going away, it's not going to get any better. So we have um, some call, some questions from callers. Um, I'm not going to take the callers live, but um, thank you for typing them in or tweeting to me. Or a few people emailed me ahead of our show to make sure I asked you questions. Do you mind taking some of these questions? Sure. Okay. We have um, a, a question from Tom, uh, who is here in Maine, who wants you to talk about parents i knew that was going i i don't know um do you mind talking about parents? do we want to open the parent can of worm uh can of oh, i don't mind because, i don't mind at all okay all right go for it because um yeah i sometimes i think i've seen it all you know at my age and things like that and sometimes every once in a while it's like nope i haven't seen it all yet <laughs> and then there's other times you get parents who are you know fascinatingly wonderful and everything but the parent thing with athletes and student athletes and everything. Um, uh, yeah. Go for I think, it. <laughs> I think the think? key, um, you know, I have, everybody has parents and everybody has, I, I have two great ones. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate, <laughs> very supporting. Um, but when you care about something, including a son or a daughter, um, and something surprises you, you're going you're gonna to react. And what I try to do here at Bridgeton, and I'm not perfect, and I, you know, inevitably I'm going to say something and I'm, I'm going to get it wrong. And, and some parent in the next couple of years is going to call me and say, nope, that's not true. Um, <laughs> 
But at the same time, you know, if you if you lay out the expectations correctly and, and you try to give them as much information as they can, um, this goes for students, goes for parents. You know, we don't, you know, say, hey, right at the beginning of the year, we don't talk about playing time. And that's one thing that's always a big thing, like, you know, play my kid. And I understand, you know, you'd like, you know, especially here at Bridgeton, and I'll, I'll stay with that alone. Usually with the summer league stuff, I, you don't hear from parents much because those guys are in a, in a in, you know, in the college level. You know, it happens a little bit more, but also most college coaches are pretty good at going, listen, if you got an issue, you're 18 to 22 years old, I need you to come sit down with me because if you can't trust me to have a decent conversation, we're not going to be able to do what we want to do as a team. And that sort of communication, coach to player, and also the openness to have the player come in who's a little hot or upset um, and say something to the coach that on one level may feel disrespectful, but also he's trying to advocate for himself, may not do it great. So you have a teaching moment there. Um, at Bridgeton, you know, you tell them on the front end, I tell everybody, you know, playing time is, is, is something that's important, but understand that, you know, for our guys, 17, 18, maybe 19 years old, um, what happens when they're away at school, you don't get the entire story all the time. And it's not because it's not important. It's not because they're lying. It's just you get, hey, how'd it go today? I, I didn't play today. Why not? I don't know. They left out the part where he had talked to coach on Wednesday about the fact he was late for a class or he's just not doing well enough, or he didn't travel because he was kind of rude to the dining hall staff. All these things that happen don't always trickle right. home. And sometimes when I get to talk to parents, you know, I let them know, hey, at some point you're going to have a question. And i got to be open to say, listen, call me if you have a question. It may not be what you think or might be exactly what you think. But, you know, being able to just diffuse all that and say, listen, if you have a problem, call me. And usually what happens is that when they feel like they can call you, they don't wait till it gets – upsetting to them to call you and then you can get out in front of a few things um but things like playing time uh certainly i have no control over scholarship dollars here at bridgeton but i was at division one level you know any sort of scholarship that sort of thing i didn't have a ton of control over so i didn't talk about it um the head coach did all that stuff um but playing time's a, a great one to say hey my son is better than that kid who's playing and i gotta say hey listen i'm with these guys every day um i'm working in i'm, I'm working in the best you know i'm working in the best interest of your son and if, if you don't trust me to do that you know we probably shouldn't have done this Bridgeton thing right like you try to get as much trust and respect as you can in the recruiting process that if we're going to do all this and we're going to you're going to trust one guy with your recruiting process in your postgraduate year and that's going to be me understand that we're I'm going to work in the best interest of that, and it's not always going to be perfect um, but it's going to be out of a place of respect and a place of enthusiasm and I want I'm going to treat him like my own son. It's interesting. I um, I think you know some of mom of four boys, and they're 16, 18, 20, and 22, and we have three in college at once right now. And mm-hmm. We sort of sent them off more like, good luck, and I can't help you with that. <laughs> Sorry. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I can't help you, you know, and, and um, I really, we really made it clear, like, we're going to raise you the way we went to college. I mean, I got to tell you, you know, my, my husband and I, but our parents didn't even drive us to college. <laughs> you know? Sure. Like, bye. We'll see you when we see you. And there wasn't a cell phone. There wasn't a, you know, there was, there was, yeah, totally different than now. But um, yeah, it's interesting. The whole world of parenting has sort of changed, but I love the way that you just um, talked about that. And I would encourage anybody listening, uh, any parents or anybody, anything, give Aaron a call. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding here. <laughs> But uh, they should I'm give open. you a call. But but I think you're open to not you know not about playing time or anything like that of course because that's that's a crazy phone call. But um, 
you know, I, I like the general parenting advice and I love it when it comes from coaches because, you know, you guys see everything. There's such a big picture well, the of ulti- you there. The ultimate test everybody- will come. Yeah. The ultimate test for Aaron Isaac will come when Parker and Nash get involved in sports and oh, see if yeah. I can live up to what I'm expecting other parents. So I, I realize that it's coming, and I got I got I got to step to the plate, if you will, and do it right. Oh yeah, yeah. Our high school coach would say that too. He's like, "Oh, I'm getting a taste of this." I'm like, "Yeah," but you know, the best parents are the yep. nice and quiet ones who, yeah, just <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So okay. So you've talked about um, the Sanford Mainers here and there a little yep. bit. Um, you do two things. You're, well, three actually, because are, are you the athletic director of Bridgeton Academy too? Did I am. you say that? Yep. Okay. So yeah, it's my that's second head year. coach. Yep. Okay. Got it. Um, that's amazing. So that, tell, before we go to Sanford Mainers, tell us about what that means, um, athletic director. So all all athletics at Yeah, Academy? so we, we offer we – offer, uh, basketball, baseball, uh, football, golf, hockey, lacrosse, and soccer. So, uh, you know, the position athletic director, you know, it's not just scheduling. um, It's not just buses and referees and that sort of thing. Um, You're trying to provide programming and and, and make it attractive for for students who want to come. So you have a recruiting responsibility, but at the same time, you're trying to help coaches develop, uh, have control over their program, and also feel like they're building their career. And, you know, that has that has been for me my main focus here is that we can play games. Um, I trust the coaches to create their schedule. I trust the coaches to understand their own sport. You know, I, I don't know every sport as well as they do, and I shouldn't. You know, I, I, they should know their sport better than anybody. But at the same time, having them understand that, you know, I'm here for I'm here for help, but I'm also here for support. And when it does come up that you know things are going exactly the way we want them, I want to give them a high five. When things aren't going exactly the way that they want them, I want to support them along and 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 not necessarily correct it for them. That's the last thing most coaches want is people to fix their problems. They want to just have advice and like the things I'm talking about, be a trusted source, a trusted you know piece of advice their way to say, hey, here's what I would do if I were you, but it's your program and it's our program, and let's talk about the best direction for you guys. Mm, yeah. Um. My my husband wants me to go back to. He's listening and he's like, "You got to go back for a second and add this." I'm like, "Okay, well, back to the parenting thing." He wants me to say that um, past a certain age, you can't coach your own kids, and to turn them over to the coaches and let them let them go, um, and you know, around the you know boy, you know, especially he's like especially in baseball, he's like around age age ten to twelve, and coaching your kids. What do you think about that? I think I think that's safe. I think that's a safe way to put it. But I think you know there are you know if if you're a parent, I mean I, I use you know I don't know uh, all that well, but I know there's college baseball coaches. You know, uh, Coach Blankmeyer at St. John's, he's yeah. had his kid on the he's had his kid on the team, and uh, it seems to go pr- just fine. I, obviously, if you have a relationship with your son, you know you'll know as I think you'll know um, if you'll be able to coach your kid when he gets to the point of of what you're talking about, ten or twelve. They're either going to be really receptive to dad, and you know going to love playing for you at times. But you also have to continue to have the father-son relationship and the coach-player relationship within one relationship, and that's hard. And if you don't work on it, it's not going to work. But, you know, I, don't, I, I think there are, you know, we've had, you know, our basketball coach here coach his son last year. And I, that was one of the most fascinating um, relationships to watch because they had so much cool. respect for each other. And, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, Jack would have benefited from not playing for his father because I think Witt did a great job with him. And, um, and I think that the experience that he had at Bridgeton as a postgraduate, um, 
was very much shaped by the fact that he got to play for his father. And, you know, there's so many of those examples around, but I think that done right, it could be a huge life experience and, and something that the father-son relationship can be built upon and also, you know, feed upon. And I think, uh, you know, there are examples, obviously, of, you know, hey, my, my kid's going to play no matter what and all that stuff, and, and hopefully less and less. But, you know, any coach who, who, who treats himself like a coach will say, hey, i got to be objective. And if you've if you got to talk to your son and say, hey, hey buddy, you're going to be number 10 this, you know, out of nine this, this game. you you got to understand, man, this, I'm a coach first and not your dad. That's something that's going to be hard, but, you know, that's got to be there if you're going to do that. Yeah, I think it was coming from that point where it was like, you know, if you are coming from a certain point where maybe your kid needs some different feedback other than I'm Mm -hmm. going to play you because you're my kid, you know, that type of stuff. um, Well, and as a coach, you're opening yourself up to that too, right? You know, as a coach, you got to evaluate and go, okay, do I, you know, do I want to put my kid in that spot? Do I want to put myself in that spot? And if you're okay with both of those and you're going to communicate through it, you know, no matter what, you know, your son's going to have an off game and he maybe he shouldn't have played, but you didn't know it until the ball was thrown, you know, it's like you're leaving <laughs> yeah. yourself open for that. But if you're okay and comfortable and confident enough for that, you're going to be all right. Yeah. Some of the best moments I know that we have here at home are when they're all outside playing and we've had some, our, our garage is filled with um, banners and everything, but yeah, he just was like, he, Peter was saying just at some point, you know, evaluate that relationship to make sure it can move forward. Um, or stop it, depending on how it goes. But he totally sure. agrees with you that some of the best things are, um, you know, when the when the kids are on the team and they're your, they, you know they're your son and it's different situations. Yeah, I I totally agree. But yeah, just to be aware of that, I think is what his point was. Um, yes, no doubt. To make sure it's the best. Fit. I agree. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, that was a great great example. Who was that on on basketball again that you just said at Bridgeton uh, Academy? Whitlager is our basketball coach. Uh, yeah, Whitlager is nice. our basketball coach, and Jack, his son, is at Hobart now as a freshman. Um, and so uh, that, I, was, I was, and again, there's other ones. Coach Marcelli yeah. at Bridgeton has coached his son, and I'm leaving some out, but um, it's awesome. You know, there, there's it's a it's a great spot for it. Yeah, awesome. All right, so okay, now let's go to the Sanford Mainers. I know it was a little bit of a choppy transition, but um, you've mentioned them a few <laughs> times. Um, what is what are the what's Sanford Mainers? It's it's a summer baseball, as you say, and it's a collegiate uh, baseball league. Yep, yep. Right. So um, yeah. most people are aware of the Cape Cod League, mostly because of its notoriety and, and the amount of presence it has in professional baseball. Um, Sanford's an interesting spot for me. You know, that's where I played when I was in college. So in the summer of 2003 and the summer of 2004, that's where I was a player. And, um, you know, huh. Sanford's cool. such a, a cool little city. Um, it's 20 minutes from the coast and – you know, 20 minutes from here, 20 minutes from there. But, you know, Goodall Park's a, another little hidden gem. It's the best-kept secret in, in summer baseball in terms of this, you know, great facility with great people. Um, you know, I'm really lucky. I work for, two, you know, two nonprofits with, with just a tremendous involvement of people who really care and are really good at what they do. And Sanford's no different. Um, so I played there, and then I, I went and did my college coaching thing. But that Sanford's where I cut my teeth. Um, you know, they, they gave me my first head coaching job um, in the summer of 2009. Um, and you know, you, I went through seven years, uh, of the, being the head coach at Sanford and they care a whole lot. The fan base is, is knowledgeable, but they care. They want to win, but they also want to see kids who are great kids and, and, and move to Sanford for the summer. These are all kids who are freshmen, sophomores, or juniors in college, and they're all aspiring to play professional baseball. Um, so they come from everywhere from Vanderbilt and Texas Christian and Maryland and Michigan and Virginia Tech, all the way down to, um, you know, local schools like, you know, Southern Maine. Coach Flaherty sends, sends us guys every year. And, you know, 
obviously University of Maine, but you know, you, you every year the roster is a little different, but everybody got the same plan, the same goals, and um, you know, our job there, our mission there is to give them give them professional exposure, have them compete for a championship, and have them go back better um, and, and better prepared for you know a, a better role, if you will, um, back at their school, and um, you know. Right now, uh, Chris Morris is our head coach. He was my assistant my last year, and Chris has done a great job. You know, coach of the year in his first year, and um, you know we're getting ready for another good summer in Sanford. And you know, I'd be remiss not to mention the you know the board of directors who are volunteer board in Sanford. Who it's it's all sponsorship run and and you know certainly community based. And uh, you know, we, I really enjoy it there. I, I enjoy being a part of it. Um, I'm not a Mainer, and I'm not from Sanford, um, so I don't get credit for either of those. But I certainly you know I've been in Maine a long time. Um, not only Orono, but also Bridgeton, and also, you know, a part of me is always going to be in Sanford, um, mostly because of the opportunity I had when I was a player, but also the opportunities they provided me, um, you know, after in my coaching career. Now, there's a lot of kids that, um, players that you have that have gone on to the MLB, too. Not that that's what it's all about or anything like that, but you've got quite a few uh, players here. Yeah, no, we've had seven big leaguers uh, in Sanford. Almost 100 have been drafted. Um, you know, I, I've played with Kevin Slowey and Andy Sonnenstein, who both made it um, up to the big leagues. And then, you know, Adam Duvall was my first big leaguer I coached. Um, he, he was in the home run derby last year, two years ago, uh, played at Louisville, came to Sanford. And a great example, he, if you look back at the Adam Duvall stats, he, his stats didn't show big league stats. He had a tough summer. Um, but he went back to school and did what he was supposed to do, and I think the summer made him better. Um, and he moved through the minor leagues and it made it to the big leagues. And then you got Joey Wendell the year after that. Joey was Division II, uh, Wood Bat, uh, Westchester University in, in Pennsylvania. And he came, and he, he was the opposite. He tore it up in the summer. He had 350 and just stood out like a sore thumb, saying, Who, you know, where'd this kid come from? And now he's playing with the Oakland A's. And then you know, one, of my, one of my favorite, uh, i got a lot of favorites, but I'll, I'll, you know, Mike Roth was one. <laughs> Um, you know, he came to me from South Carolina um, as a two-way player. He was coming to figure out if he could hit. Um, he, could, he could pitch a little bit, but he hit in the three-hole every day. And he went back that year. So, you know, say the summer of '09, he was with me. In the summer, you know, late late, late spring of, of 2010, Mike's pitching in the deciding game of the College World Series, and he pitches nine innings, and he gets the win. And he comes back to Sanford. And he comes back, and he pitched a little bit. But, again, he was coming back because he just – he had he had the the intangibles of you know now Mike's a tremendously successful businessman but he made it to the big leagues because of who he was and and you know he was a, a great athlete but he made everything better because of who he was. Hmm. You know I was going to ask you about that. It's like what what really is it that separates or I don't even know the wording for it. I, I'm sorry if I'm girlifying this all up, but what what <laughs> what makes somebody you know, MLB versus somebody not or whatever, you know, what is it? Like, it seems like it's so, um, the, the variations are so minuscule of timing and all that. You know, I, I just can't even put my finger on it still. Yeah, cause everybody I think it's the realization, right? you know, the realization, you know, sometimes it happens later in your career, but um, the realization that there's more than just you out there, you know, you might be the best player in your conference. You might be the best player in your region, um, but there's a lot more players like you or better out there. And once you realize that, and you never stop working, um, you know, you have to be able to play. You know, you everybody, you know, you got to be able to hit, hit for power, run field, and throw. I mean, that's the five tools. And then on the mound, you got to show some velocity, you got to show a secondary pitch, and you got to show some sort of competitive nature. For me, um, and I'm not a pro scout, but those are things that have tended to show up in my discussions with the pro scouts. And if if you don't, you know, 
if you throw a certain velocity, you know, the harder you throw, the more mistakes you can make. And obviously, everybody knows about a guy who throws really hard and never makes it. Everybody knows about a guy who doesn't throw that hard and does make it. And the difference between those two guys is probably between the years. I'm speculating a little bit, but I'm telling you that the mental game um, and how much you can develop yourself when adversity hits and react in the proper way and also stay on track when things change um, is going to be huge. You know, uh, Sam Dexter is a good example. Um, oh, I love that kid. Summers. So good. And, and Sammy Dexter, I mean, what a ball player. Um, he just yeah. loves baseball. What and a Sammy, he, he, he's got oh. a tool set. He's a, he's a coach's kid, and he's got a work ethic, and he was not a high-round draft pick. He played, a, he played in the Cape Cod League, played for us twice at Sanford. But you want to talk about a kid. You, if you start a team, you want to start with Sam Dexter because he's a culture. <laughs> That's he's what a my husband guy. always says. It's like, you I know. want that kid on my team. <laughs> because all he wants to do is see yeah. people around. He, he celebrates other success like it's his own, which is, is just yep. classic. Um, but he also does his own work. And you can, you can trust Sam to do what he's supposed to do. And, you know, some guys who are really talented haven't had to work that hard. Um, and they've always been kind of the upper echelon, especially those guys who are drafted out of high school and never go off to do college baseball. Um, you know, they go off and, and, and go to the minor leagues at, at 18 or 19 years old, and they've always been the best, and that's why they're a top 20-round draft pick. But then they realize that there's guys out there who are just as good as they are, they get uncomfortable with, and they go, geez, am I really that good? When They, they, they really are, but they've got to be coached through it. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a tough life sometimes. And so sometimes the difference is simply just, I'm serious, it's luck. It, it, it's being in the right place, the right organization where they give you a chance, and you just happen to play well, and you, and you happen to be rewarded for what you're doing. Other times there's guys out there who are just as good as the rest of the guys in the big leagues, but they just don't get the chance, and that's hard, and that's hard to explain, hard to understand. But, you know, the the invisible intangibles, if you will, um, that you can't put your finger on are the best ones. And, and those guys who just are going to be consistent and, and work hard no matter what's going on or what the weather is or what the umpire says or all the things you can't control, they're just going to stay within their locus of control and, and move forward, are the guys that, for me, the guys I talked about, Duvall, Wendell, Roth, Sonnenstein, Slowey, so on and so on, um, those guys had the same affect about them for the most part. Not at, not at all times. You know, I coached them when they were 19 years old. They had some hiccups too. But when you say, hey, man, we, you know, we don't do that here, and they, they don't understand why, um, but then they look at it and they go, geez, okay, I got you, and, and they make an adjustment, it'll help them as you move forward. How old are those guys now? Like, pick, just pick one or two of them. Um, Duvall would probably be right around 30, I think. Um, he played in 09, so that was his junior year, yeah. I think. Yeah, he, so I, I don't know. Um, they're, they're the late 20s, early 30s. I'd love to have somebody on like that if you ever can connect me. Um, just to just to get a viewpoint of you know all of, everything that you're talking about. Uh, uh, another show. I don't think you can do enough shows about character, culture, goals, intangibles, sportsmanship all that good stuff. Um, so if you ever get a chance to connect me with somebody, and maybe we'll have Sam Dexter on and you and I will interview him together or something. <laughs> He'd, be cool. He'd be a good but, interview. Uh, That'd be an interesting one. Yeah, I thought he would be, actually. I, I'll have to see if we can find him somehow, right? <laughs> but, um, sure. yeah, he, that's, that's cool. Um, ta- you know, you talked about Coach Flaherty a little bit. Do you do you know him well? Because since I landed here, I've always been fascinated by Coach Flaherty. He is just a uh, – he is such a cool coach, isn't he? Yeah, no, and and, and some of the best coaches, uh, you ah. know, they, they adapt. Um, you know, Coach Flaherty, I'll, I'll put Coach Flaherty and Coach K in the same discussion. Um, but at the same time, you know, look at Coach K at Duke basketball. 
you know, he's coached a full generation, if not two now, and he's adapted and he still stays on the ground with his guys as they currently are. He hasn't had to try to, try to change the guys he's coaching. He's adapted to what he has and what the generation is. Um, I'd say Coach Flaherty the same way. I've never played for Coach Flaherty. I've coached his son. I've coached other players of his, um, and mm-hmm. I, I've got to know him well enough to, to respect. Obviously, he's a tremendous coach with a huh. track record of success. Um, but, you know, when you, when you truly listen to, to his opinions and, and what he values in a player and in a program, there, there's, there's no surprise that, he's, that he is where he is and why he's doing so well um, and why he endures and continues to do well. Um, you know, he cares. He cares about his guys, and, and he, he does want to open up opportunities for them. Um, you know, he was the first All-American in, in Black Bear history. Um, so there's a connection up, up in Orono with us. That, that's where it started. But, you know, um, my, my existence in Sanford and, and dealing with Coach Flaherty and, and coaching, you know, Regan and, and Sam Dexter and now Jake Dexter um, and so many other guys that he sent our way, that they're all, they're all microcosms of coach. I mean, they're guys who are going to value the same things he values. Yeah, I remember I was um, uh, for some, I don't know what I was doing in Loretta's here, and like it's between Falmouth and Portland, and um, various people get their hair cut there, and Ryan Flaherty was in there, and it was so funny because Loretta's like going, that's you know, like whispering, like that's Ryan Flaherty. I'm like, who? <laughs> you know, yep. that was really funny. She's like, that's right. I have no idea who you're talking about. You know, and this is you know, sure. it's Ryan Flaherty. And he's, I'm five two, and I'm looking up. I'm like, okay, that's a professional athlete of some sort. <laughs> you know, kind of yep. thing. And you know, it's really funny because I'm not from here, and I didn't know, and all that good stuff. Just naivety came into play all in one fell swoop. Anyway. She goes, you know, your kids will want that photograph of you and Ryan Flaherty. So I stood on a chair, and I still wasn't as tall as him. <laughs> it's so funny. It's the best picture ever. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like, hi, here's, you know, we total, talk about total momified. But what a great guy he is. Totally humble and sweet and, uh yeah. Well, I mean, you talk you talk about humble and, and modest. Um, you know, the guys who, who have made it to the big leagues, they don't have to brag about themselves. You know, I, I'm fortunate enough. Here at Bridgeton, um, former big leaguer, uh, Dave Bush lives here miles from campus. He's helped me on campus. He's now working with the Red Sox. But, you know, to see Dave downtown or, or walk through a restaurant or even in Portland, yeah. you'd never know he was a big I'm leaguer not. or a former big leaguer. He just yeah. he looks like the rest of us because he, he doesn't he, – that's not who he identifies as. He identifies as a, a husband and a father and a, and a really intelligent guy. He, he was all the way – you know, he was the – vice president or president of the, of the players association. So he sat at all the, all the meetings. I mean, he represented the entire body of players and he's tremendously intelligent. Um, but he also has morals and, and high character that, you know, you just don't find other places. And, and, you know, if I was to tell you that he wouldn't have made it without those, I'd probably be wrong, but certainly a huge, huge um, part of his, you know, ascent through the minor leagues, which wasn't very much, but you know, his ability to stay at the big league level is because of who he was. Yeah. All right, you know, I just looked at the time. Oh, my gosh, I'm keeping you. Um, you've been on for an hour and some now, and I just looked up at the time. So I need to respect your time, of course, um, and wind down. But is there, um, is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to talk about? I know um, I didn't ask you where Bridgeton Academy is located. <laughs> Bridgeton, all right. Yeah, all no, right. it's it's about an hour north of Portland. I think the one thing that, you know, that I love to talk about and, and remind yeah. people of is in you know, a place like Bridgeton, you know, you don't always find it and you assume that prep school is a punishment. It's for people who didn't do what they're supposed to do. And it couldn't be, couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, you know, that we have, 
you know, high achievers here are just trying to get a little more control over their academic life and try to understand the expectations that come with being a high achiever. Um, and, you know, we had a kid on campus last year score a perfect ACT score, earn admissions to MIT, and, you know, that style of kid is here every year. And you also have kids who come through here and they haven't done what they're supposed to do, but they've had a realization at some point that, geez, if I actually do some of this work, I could be a different person than I'm getting credit for in my hometown or my high school. And that's where Bridgeton Academy can be, can be a clean start and really show you just how good you can be. Um, and, you know, it, everywhere in between, you know, high achievers, low achievers, high power, you know, the underachievers, they all come together here at Bridgeton every single year. And they learn from each other. They learn from the staff. They learn from their experiences on the field. There's so much that goes in that, you know, I, I, it's, it's hard to explain in a couple of sentences, but they, the kids just, you don't want to miss it. It's, it's, it's a place that, you know, if you have a, you know, a 16, 17, 18 year old young man who sounds, you know, like something I'm talking about, um, give us a call. And I think it's an opportunity that just about every young man can benefit from. You're talking to one that probably should have gone through it, but I didn't know about it. Yeah, that's that's great information to have out there. We have one last question, actually. Somebody's begging me to ask you this question. Um, what are your goals? Like, if you were going to see yourself ten years out from now, um, just wants to know what your goals are. That's interesting. Man, Good question, guys. Yep, that that that's one that, that I'm not prepared for, I and mean, I'll admit that. But um, I'll tell you, ten years ago, my goals were, you know, to, to go and be a Division One head coach and and be in Omaha every year and and that sort of thing. And they 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 weren't as deep as they probably should have been. Um, you know, my, my goal is now, um, I got a whole lot more that matters, um, than just baseball and, and 10 years ago, 15 years ago, certainly, you know, I wasn't shallow. That's just too strong of a word, but I cared about less things. And, you know, now my, my awareness for those around me and the values I have for, um, family, for friends, um, certainly for my career, um, you know, my goal, you know, as long as I'm at Bridgeton is to just, I want to be the best prep school head coach I can be. I want to be the best prep school AD I can be. Uh, I want to help Bridgeton move forward and certainly with my involvement in Sanford. Um, you know, I want Sanford to to deliver everything they say they're going to deliver and, and, and win championships and uh, in both places, in, in one-year programs for both of them in their own different way. You know, I want to help guys, um, you know, change lives is too strong, but it's probably accurate. I want to help guys, you know, realize how good they can be. Um, and some of it's baseball-centric in Sanford, some of it's not. Um, but certainly I want, I want to help guys out and, and move them along and, and open up doors and opportunities and certainly network with them on the back end. Um, and so my goals there are just simply to help, help guys out. I want to, I want to help people out. Yeah. And on that score, are you, are you open for people who just want to talk to you about that? Because to me, it seems like you have a, a, a real wisdom about you. I, I, I don't know. I, I interview a lot of people and to me, um, as far as guests, and a person who comes on the show and just hearing more and hearing you talk and so forth, you strike me as extremely thoughtful. Um, and I think a lot of people could benefit from hearing more from you. Um, are people well, allowed to I, I will give talk, you a call if they want to talk to you? Yeah, I, I will talk to anybody who wants to talk to me. I think my friends would tell you that. My wife would tell you that. Um, the gift of gab has never escaped me. Um, but I certainly, I, I think that, you know, the more I talk, the more I learn as well um, from the answers I get. So um, I'm open to, to chat with anybody who wants to, and certainly about Bridgeton, about life, about Sanford. Um, however I can help, yeah. I'm probably getting help too. I could see the impact you would make on, on a younger person's life for sure. Um, you know, to somebody really open to, to hearing you and so forth, there's a wisdom about you um, that's uh, real 
apparent to me in talking to you. So very nice. It's It's been a pleasure to get to know you more and, and hear your thoughts on life and baseball and Bridgeton Academy and being an athletic director in the Sanford Mainers. Go Mainers. That's really fun. And um, <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, it's cool that you're right here in Maine. I mean, I hope everybody, uh, more people discover everything about you and everything that you're doing. Um, and to, to Jamie and your kids, and um, we didn't mention your two dogs. That's fun. <laughs> we love dogs here. <laughs> so now we got everything. We've mentioned everything the dogs got into. So, um, but best of luck to you. And um, I hope you'll come back on again. Um, maybe like I love to. Thank you. So, and love to have more wisdom because we love those specific shows where we're, you know, talking about, um, you know, all that good stuff. I'd love to have you come on and maybe talk about culture. I, lo- I love those I love are two of my favorite culture and goals. So anyway, all right. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Aaron, Isaac, um, the, he, you've just listened for over an hour and I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, to everybody listening. Thank you for listening uh, to the best ever you show here on this very snowy day in Maine. Um, that was Aaron Isaac of Bridgeton Academy baseball. He's also the general manager of the Sanford Mainers. I'll post links to both of those um, organizations along with the show as well as a blog on best ever you and um, make sure that you have a way to to reach him if you want to follow up on that Um, but we wish um, Bridgeton Academy best of luck with their season I know this is definitely not a baseball day we have collective snow melt wishes always going on here on best ever you because we love baseball and our baseball family so the snow can melt now we're good it's it's March and um, we're that's that said as it just snowed like another i'm looking out it looks like a good foot of snow out there but anyway all right thank you all so much for listening as we always say on best ever you we are grassroots so we appreciate it when we have guests on and you share the show um and reach out to our guests and follow what they're doing and so forth there's always wisdom here um and we bring on guests that always teach us something and i think we learned a lot today and one of the things that i'm i wrote down from this show And I really believe in this. Um, I think there's always room for this everywhere that you can spread this quote, please do. I love this. And it's something we practice here at home. It's the way we've raised our kids from the get-go. And it was so neat to hear it uh, on on the show today. And it's celebrate others' success as if it is your own. Um, I thought that was it's so neat to hear that again because we have that hanging on our refrigerator <laughs> since the kids are itty, itty, bitty. So um, I'm going to put that quote out there. Um, so Coach Aaron will have that quote with him out on Twitter a little bit if he doesn't mind. But anyway, all right. Thank you guys for listening. You can tweet us at best ever you. And I'm going to spell uh, Coach Aaron's name for you. It's Coach A-A-R-O-N-I-Z-A-R-Y-K. And you can reach him on Twitter, Facebook, and so forth. And, uh, again, we appreciate you all listening. Thanks so much for listening to the Best Ever You Show. We're going to be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock with Corey Poirier. He is a keynote speaker. Um, and um, he's that speaker guy, and he's going to give us some speaking tips as well. Um, He's got a new book out as well, so we're going to talk to him about that for just about an hour um, tomorrow. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Take, Take care, and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Best Ever You Show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with Best Ever You.